good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, August, I almost said October, August the 1st, 2022. And uh, we are here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church, live recording, <laughs> recording live. I, I guess you have to be live recording. You can't like record, I guess you could record a recording afterwards. Yeah. We're actually here recording this uh, here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. I'm here uh, with the other pastoral staff. Um, I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, I'm the associate pastor here. And I'm here with our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy, and our children's pastor, Blake Flincham, and our student pastor, uh, Jeremiah Custer. <clears throat> We're all here and accounted for. Um, it's been a while since we've all been together. Um, so uh, we're, what we do here on Monday Moving Point, if you've never listened before, is we like to look over the Sunday message together. We do it anyway, but um, this way we uh, get a chance to talk about it with, and uh, open, open our discussion to the public. Um, so last week, <clears throat> I wasn't here. I was out. Uh, I was in Kentucky uh, teaching um, philosophy to some uh, young ministers, and um, at, at a Bible college there. And so Jeremiah covered for me. Uh, but the problem was we had a, an issue with the recording, <clears throat> and, and uh, looks like uh, the it was a microphone issue. Um, and so, unfortunately, the podcast that got recorded last week couldn't be published because big chunks of it weren't uh, weren't listenable. Um, so, <clears throat> so what we're going to do is for today's podcast, we're just going to go ahead and cover a little bit from that sermon, which was uh, the sermon Jeremiah preached from Nehemiah eight, mm-hmm. and then we'll then we'll um, we'll kind of quickly cover that, and then we'll cover yesterday's message because yesterday. Oh, here at Rosa Sharon, we had like a missioning service for um, for an, uh, our for a new minister that we're bringing on um, staff in a volunteer position, um, our minister of congregational care, and so there was a whole lot in that service that was more testimony and that sort of thing. Um, we did cover uh, there, there was a message preached, but it was a briefer message, Jeff, and so um, I think we actually. Can, this actually works out well. We can combine these two two services together. So that's what we'll do. Um, so to just kind of go back to where we were two weeks ago then. Let's start there. Two weeks ago, uh, Jeremiah actually, um, due to another sort of un, unforeseen circumstance kind of thing, uh, had to step in and preach. It was the, the plan originally had been for... Blake to be there to do the kids camp report because they just came back from kids camp but then COVID hit the kids camp crew what a week and, what a uh, week. Um, they had a great camp but then COVID hits and so Blake can't Blake can't be there Jeff was going to be out of town he had planned to be out of town that week um, he was going to be there on Sunday but he wasn't going to be there for the weekend and so I was out of town so Jeremiah had to quickly kind of come up with something to preach and did a great job I, I, I watched it from Kentucky and uh, I thought it was a great sermon from Nehemiah 8 on um, largely on the importance of God's word. And, and when we understand God's word, it brings benefits, right? I mean, that, if I was if I were kind of summarizing everything, and, they, and, and it's un, like making an effort to understand God's word. And then when God's word is rightly understood and rightly applied, then the people of God can find joy, mm-hmm. right? And that's sort of, that's what happens in Nehemiah. Um, and so, Jeremiah, you talked about in that sermon, um, the context of all that is that the exiles have returned. The, the exiles have returned. They're trying to rebuild Jerusalem because the Persian kings have sent them there to do so. 
Um, they're just kind of getting started. <clears throat> they don't have a temple yet. They just have the foundation of the temple. And they're dry, trying to build the wall back up in Nehemiah. They do build the wall like in a record 52 days or something like that. Yeah. And then right after they do all of that, they sort of rediscover, we'll say, because it feels like they, it, I get the sense, and I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't Maybe you mentioned this and I remember, but I get the sense that like it's not quite like it is in another spot in the Old Testament where they really truly have find find the book of the law hidden somewhere and they pull it out and like, oh King, look at this. We've messed, yeah. you know, we look at what we found. It's not that, but it does feel as though they've forgotten while they've been in exile. They, they they've not been practicing the things of the law. Um, and so they come and they read, they open up the the, the law, <clears throat> and we're assuming here that this would have been at least the Pentateuch, and probably some of the pro- probably some of the prophets and stuff. But like you made a point, there's no way that you could even if you read it out loud. There's no way you could read like all of the Old Testament. Well, the first five books. Yeah. You can't even read the first five and books. We, we basically, on our discussion last time, concluded we probably figured it was Deuteronomy that they were actually reading. And I think there's good reason to think it was Deuteronomy mm-hmm. because of uh, uh, because of the kinds of things they're talking about and and. It would make sense too that because Deut- Deuteronomy is where Moses says it. You know, well, God says through Moses that if you do these things, you'll find blessings. If you do these things, if you don't do these things, then you'll be cursed. Here they've been cursed with exile. The very things that God said, if you don't do these things, is what's going to happen. Has happened to them, and now they. And so I think they're going back and looking. Okay, what is it that we missed? What should we have been doing? So I agree. I think Deuteronomy is probably what they were they were studying, and I say studying because they're just they're not just reading out loud. They're reading out loud and then interpreting for the people what they're hearing. They've got like I'm picturing like little groups kind of gathered together in clumps, and then they've got each each group sort of has a pastor figure there that's sort of helping explain what's being read out loud. They'll read read a bit of it and then they'll explain it to people so that everybody has understanding, which is that's the key, right? Well, I'm sure too. Uh... What made the process a lot harder, you know, they'd been in Babylon for like 70 years, and so a lot of the younger generations probably didn't even know Hebrew at first. You know, they might have just known Aramaic and coming back and having to read the Hebrew script. So you think they're actually not just even uh, interpreting or helping to explain what they're hearing, but they're actually translating? Yeah, I think I maybe said that. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, I think you said that. Um, And actually, Nehemiah 13 says that. Okay. In a different context, it says that the people didn't know the language. And so uh, I don't think that's exclusively what's going on. I think it's right. more just they want people to understand. But I think there is some of that. Like in the Hebrew, it says this. This is what that means. And, and there's people there who could probably speak both languages. In fact, I know there are people there who could speak both languages. So, um yeah, I think that's what's going on. Right. And in some ways, they've preserved some of this because we know that they, they, they still refer to uh, a group of people as Levites. Mm-hmm. So they've preserved some of that culture. They just not they haven't been practicing all of it. And maybe they couldn't. I mean, you know, we, we it's 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 at least conceivable to me that if they're while they're in exile, there's no way for them. Maybe they were prevented from from doing some of the things that 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 they would normally do. And we see that what in Daniel. I mean. Uh, yeah, well, in our discussion, we talked about how Ezra, being a priest, he had uh, he had access to God's word. And of course, mm-hmm. that's what happened when they brought people in from exile. They brought everybody in, the leaders and all, right. and then all their stuff. Right. And so they had God's word, and they would actually, you know, look at it because you know that's the the magi came from looking at the scriptures and there's right. this Messiah. So, um, so we were talking about how like this 
it's kind of a pattern for uh, rabbis because Ezra had all these men he he taught, mm-hmm. and then they're out, they're going out into the crowd now and teaching. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when they when he gets to the second point, it's the 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 leaders of the families then come to these men and they're studying every single day, and then they take it back to their 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 families and discuss it. So right. you saw the whole synagogue uh, rabbinical kind of. Uh, way of the Jewish way of, of understanding and interpreting uh, the scriptures come out of all this mm-hmm. because they don't have a temple they don't have a place to go so this was their first gathering as a congregation to, to let's read God's word and understand it so so that this whole this book is great because it sets a whole pattern then that follows them up until the time Jesus comes yeah and therefore afterwards when the church kind of used the synagogue model too in yeah. a way of, uh, you know, expanding the gospel. So, so a, a great message. The thing that probably stood out the most and the thing that you brought out that I, I had never noticed before and I thought was really interesting is that you have them, and you, you, you took pains, Jeremiah, to show the order of the festivals as, they were, as, they're, as they're mentioned in. And, and uh, the festivals show up in Deuteronomy, by the way. Mm-hmm. I should know that, but I don't yeah. know right off the top mm-hmm. of my head. They're listed better in Leviticus. But that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And so I think that's part of when they're giving the sense and making things make sense and when they're reading. I think they're doing some of that, doing mm-hmm. cross-references. Like, uh-huh. like hey, yeah, it actually says this over here in Leviticus, and that's mm-hmm. that's how we understand. Uh, but the festivals are definitely listed, and, and the dates in Deuteronomy. So they are, So the festivals yeah. are listed, mm-hmm. and, 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 and the dates that they're given yeah. in Deuteronomy. Like, they do this on the, on the first day of the month, or do this yeah. on the first of the seventh. Okay. So in that case, then, um, what's interesting, what you brought up, is that we know that the first reading, right, is when it's the Feast of the Trumpets, because they, they actually they bring that up, right, that, they, that mm-hmm. it is the Feast of the Trumpets. Yeah. And then the next thing we see, as far as the festivals go, is the, that they're talking about in the, in the second section, in the second Bible study they do, um, they're talking about they realize that they should have, they should have been doing living in booths. That's the mm-hmm. Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths or tents, right? And then we see them making tents and living in them like they're just like they're supposed to. But the problem is is that there's a very important, really important day, you know, feast in between those two that there's no mention of at all, and that's the day of atonement. And you would think that there would be some mention of atonement or, you know, uh, sacrifice or something like that, but it's like they skip that somehow. And so I know you guys had this discussion last week, but it didn't get recorded. So what are the what are some of the theories on this? Clearly, they missed it. And, and, and you, you mentioned that in your sermon, I think. You know, they, they missed it. Um, and it's interesting. Well, I've, I've got some other thoughts, too. But, but tell me, tell me, what, how did they miss this? How could they miss such, something so important? Was it just that they overlooked it? Were they willingly overlooking it? Uh, you know, uh, how, how does this happen? No, I I tried to go through pains to say that they were good intentioned, that they didn't, they weren't actively, I don't think, trying to disregard God's word. I think in this text, they are they are going through great pains to actively do the opposite. Yeah, I mean, they're standing in respect of it for right. hours, right? <laughs> so. so then the question is, if it's so obvious to us, and I think it is very obvious, the Day of Atonement, why would they skip that? And and I think I, I think Jeff has probably the best theory, and I'll just throw it to him. Yeah, the uh, the way I looked at it was uh, 
because they are there in the land and all they've built is the walls and some houses and they've laid a foundation for the temple. They don't have a tabernacle. They don't have a Holy of Holies. So they can't do the Day of Atonement. So perhaps maybe in their reading, they're like, we can't do this. What can we do? And the next thing came in was the Feast of Tabernacles. And mm-hmm. and um, and so so that's that's when they decided to do that celebration because they could do uh, Passover meal. They could do... Uh, Trumpets. They could do all these festivals wherever they were living. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just if they came for a sacrifice, they had to go to the temple. They had to go to that day, and the priest, only the priest, could go in and right. make the sacrifice. So, so I think they just they they couldn't do it. So maybe they perhaps they said we can't do this right now and set it aside. But what can we do? And that brought them what, to the tabernacle. What, help me here, and 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 if you can, and and I probably should know the, the answer to this, and I I, I don't. Where's the Ark of the Covenant at this time? Uh, well, we probably have to find out from Indiana. Ah, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, te- uh, well, in, if you look at, um, let's see, uh, the last king bribed, and I just preached a message on it not too long ago. Uh, the king had bribed right. uh, the, the Syrians saying, you protect us from Egypt. And mm-hmm. so he gave them all the stuff from the from the temple. So Does he gave them all the stuff from the temple. Yes, it's all given to him. All the gold, all the utensils, everything. That's the good king, right? No, this was the bad. Oh, king. Oh, this is one after us. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. And no. so, um, and that that now. didn't save him. And then, um, so obviously, it was taken into captivity into Babylon. Now, whether they're going to send it back once the temple gets built, or or is Ezra, does Ezra have, uh, um, you know, have it on him? I don't know. Yeah. So we really don't know. Yeah. But more than likely. Now, is it there? More than likely it either went to Assyria or went to Babylon. Is it? And, is and it got the, melted or Is it there destroyed. in the second temple? When they rebuild the temple, do they eventually have it there? I like think, in Jesus' day. I think they had to uh, fashion a new one. Oh really? Okay, I think so. But, but I'm, it's I would have to. I would have to kind of like look at it. Huh? It's not mentioned again. It's never mentioned again. I don't think the Ark of the Covenant. Because like when it was the holies of holies. Well, it's mentioned. The it's the it's mentioned. They did have one in the New Testament because remember Caesar uh, or uh, uh, Pilate or somebody came in and did a sacrifice to pig on the altar. Remember they 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 kind of yeah that's, the altar. So, but on the altar. But I'm I'm just wondering is the, the Ark mentioned <laughs> there? Well, they had to have a holy of holies because they had it when yeah. the, the temple was torn. It was there. There's a veil. There's definitely a veil. There's definitely and, an altar. Yeah, all that's there. But he asked about the ark, which yeah. at yeah. one point in Israel's history represented the presence, God, of, the God. presence of God. Yeah, that's where God was yeah. in between the cherubim, right? Yeah. They, yeah. Well, they couldn't do sacrifices without that. So uh, they probably fashioned a new one. But we. We'd have to kind of like Google it, look it up, and yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, that I, I didn't. Yeah. I, I know. I'm sorry. It was just yeah. But yeah, in so my was, head. I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just thinking about what you just said. That yeah. there's no temple. Mm-hmm. There's only a foundation. They. I guess they don't have the the furnishings for the temple at this time, and that and then that got me thinking. Wait a second. Do they even have the ark? Because that that was a big part of it. I mean, even when they had the. T- when they had the tabernacle, they still had the ark. And when they built the mm-hmm. temple, they brought the tab the, the ark into the the new temple. 
What? Um, so yeah. And I got to think it too. I mean, if if they would have had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you know, if they would have seen in Genesis like Abraham and like Melchizedek, they're making sacrifices, and obviously they don't have a temple there, you know, with yeah. with Abraham. So right, but say that, but now they have the law; they can't do what Abraham. Right, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we couldn't just go out today and walk out out into the parking lot and. Make a sacrifice to God, saying this right. is a great day. I mean, that's true. You know, I, no, I think I think you're I think you're right, Jeff. I, th- I think probably the reason why they skipped it is they just didn't have the furniture. Which then kind of points yeah. to Jesus that he is the. Yeah, well, this, <clears throat> this would not be fulfilling to them. At least the booth was kind of like a symbol of well, a tabernacle and you know being amongst us kind. Right, of thing. and so another reason why I think you're right. And I, I mentioned this earlier off air, but that. We see them. We see them um, sort of correct the attitude because people are crying and stuff. They're they're, mm-hmm. they're 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 and he's like, no, this isn't a time for crying. This is a time for feasting. <clears throat> and and he, you know, because he tells them it's a feast of the trumpets and all. But I think maybe part of the part of the problem, maybe maybe the reason why they're 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 distressed is because they realize they have sin, but they have no way of atoning for it right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you another reason why I think that. And it has to do with the study we did last night in Nehemiah 9. Because if you read Nehemiah 9, and I'll let Jeremiah talk about it because he talked about it with the students last night. Uh, Nehemiah 9 gives you the impression that they absolutely knew about their sin and wanted to atone for it. Yeah, and I I do find it interesting. I wish I could have talked about Nehemiah 9. I did enough uh, as it was. Yeah. But... uh, (laughs) They, they do do a time of confession, like group or organized confession. Mm-hmm. And so on day one, when they originally read the word, it wasn't a time for confession. It was a time for rejoicing and mm-hmm. celebrating everything that God had done for them. But then there is a time for confession. And I think that's important. And uh, um so, so I don't. I, again, I don't want to paint Israel in too much of a negative light. I think they're well intentioned. They're trying to get organized. They're trying to do things uh, correctly. And uh, in doing the confession in, in Nehemiah nine, they recount all the stories like like Abraham and 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 uh, the Exodus and right. uh, the wilderness journeys and. Uh, everything that God had done for them and that, that, that God was righteous in all that he did, e- even righteous in sending them into captivity, mm-hmm. uh, and that they were wicked and God was righteous. And there's an awesome, like I said, this is a this is a great pattern for revival. Mm-hmm. But then the question is, like, why was it, why was it short-lived? Why why was this revival that they're experiencing, which I think was genuine, mm-hmm. why was it short lived? Well, I mean, why is any revival short lived? Yeah. Because it's 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 rare um, it's rare that revivals are long lived. And I mean, there there are those that happen, like the Haystack revival had mm-hmm. had like the awakening, huge ripple effects. But it, that that's an anomaly. Most mm-hmm. of the time, it doesn't happen that way. I mean, mo- you know, churches experience revival and it's awesome, and then all of a sudden, it's like, where did it go? Mm-hmm. Um, why, why didn't why didn't those ripples stay? But I mean, to your point, I, I, you know, is is there something that happens? Part well, part of what happens is they. I mean, we know this. Part part of what happens is um, they have other huge distractions. People who who are, you know constantly trying to derail the attempts that they're do, that, that that they're making to 
to you know so they've got outside forces that are that are preventing them so they get distracted by fighting with those people and then they're still what even after even after this they 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 have the issue of um they're still they're, they're still married to their foreign wives and stuff right and they don't find that out until later and then and then you have to Nehemiah come in and tell them hey you guys are doing that you know there, there are multiple times where Nehemiah, Nehemiah later in Nehemiah has to come in and say, nope, you're doing this wrong, right? Fix this. Fix, yeah. fix these problems. So, um, you know, it, the, unfortunately, we're always sort of bent towards away from God. And that's yeah. just the way we are. They, and, and, I, and I was trying to make the point, and I, I think I did it okay, uh, that it's because their focus wasn't on the Messiah. Mm-hmm. It was on rituals. It was on the temple. Right. It was on remembering. Yeah, and I love that they remembered. Mm-hmm. That's important. And for Israel, it was always remembering and not looking forward yeah. to to Jesus. And, yeah, and and that's why I went into such pains to show you this is the Feast of Booths. Where's the Day of Atonement? Because I think that those things God had put in place every year to point them to the Messiah. Messiah. And they were they were looking back and I think they like I said they did a good job at looking back at what mm-hmm. God had done but forgetting that God is still working. <clears throat> God is yeah. God is wanting them to trust in his plan and trust in his Messiah that would come. And that's why Hebrews 11 is so beautiful cuz right. all those people trusted in the promise that they never saw. Right. And, and that's what God was constantly reminding Israel. Trust in my promises. Trust in my promises. Yeah. You're probably not going to see them in your lifetime. He doesn't say that, but we clearly see that over and over. Right. You're not going to see my promise fulfilled in your lifetime, but I'm asking you to trust me. Well, I mean, Habakkuk, like we, we had you know, three weeks ago, yeah. um, same thing there, right? Yeah. You're not going to see this happen in your life, you know. This is a promise for for later, mm-hmm. but but uh, trust me, I, I, I am going to do something about this. Um, yeah, that's great. I mean, that sort of answers the question. Our discussion here answers the question that I had raised as well, which is that you know if if these guys had studied this word and spent so much time studying it, how did they miss it? How did they how would they miss something so important? And if they could miss something so important, what's to say that we can't do the same thing? You know, maybe I spend hours and hours and hours pouring over the scriptures, but I still, I, you know, I, what's to keep me from making a mistake? What's to keep me from missing something? I mean, I can spend tons of time um, studying scripture and still get it wrong. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, what's the answer for that? I think part of it, honestly, is the Holy Spirit. I think that's. I think we have to trust the Spirit to guide us. Something we have that they didn't have. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think I think the Spirit guides us in our study of the Scriptures if we allow that, right? If it, and if we're if we're doing it the right way, um, Scripture plus we have a closed canon of Scripture, so that Scripture interprets Scripture. Um, so that if 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 your if your interpretation of Scripture of a certain passage doesn't jive with the whole of Scripture, then then you know you know you've probably got it wrong. Um, uh, and then, what Jeremiah yeah. was saying last week, and I think it was on the podcast. Like a lot of times, we can focus so much on like the written word, but not. But you don't want to miss like the living word. Mm-hmm. And um, like I had a professor at um, Southeastern. He used to be like the dean of a college or so, like at a 
Christian college, and mm-hmm. I got Christian loosely, and you'll see why here. But um, they all affirmed, they all affirmed, like the truthfulness of Scripture. But it was like, was Jesus born of a virgin? Only like twenty percent said yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they surveyed, like, was Jesus fully God and fully man? Like fifteen percent said yes. Right. So they were so focused on Scripture, mm-hmm. yet they still, you know, what's important. We we can do the same thing with that. So yeah, yeah. Um, other thoughts on how we prevent ourselves, what what prevents us from making colossal mistakes, like you know. Yeah, along with what Blake was saying there, the scriptures are super important. I don't want anyone right. walking away right. thinking that the scriptures aren't infallible and and, and super important. Mm-hmm. But when rightly applied, they always point us to Jesus, mm-hmm. and I think that's where Israel missed it. And if I'm being honest, I think that's where we miss it too. We look for the practical, we look for the here and now, the thing I can see. God, what rule do you want me to fix? What what thing do you want me to change? Mm-hmm. And we can get bogged down in those rituals, those rules, and we forget that this is actually about Jesus mm-hmm. and and worshiping Him and knowing more about Him and having a relationship with Him. Uh, so for me, and I think I said this last week, um, hopefully I can say it again, um, if I'm going to do it wrong, mm-hmm. I think I'd rather be wrong seeing Jesus where he's not mm-hmm. than missing seeing him where he is. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I so like if, that. I, if I accidentally, I'm in the Old Testament, I'm like, man, I think I see Jesus right here. Great. Like, because <laughs> yeah. I think for me, sometimes I want to be like accurate when how I see mm-hmm. Jesus. Like, I, I want to be able to argue my point and make right. sure the New Testament at least confirms this in some way. Um, but I think I'd rather you make an error in me. I'd rather make an error seeing Jesus where he may not be. Uh, I just did like air quotes where he may not be, even though I think he's there uh, mm-hmm. clearly. Um, and he says he's there. Um, Rather than making the opposite mistake of trying to interpret Scripture and stopping before I do the next step of like, all right, what is this telling me about Jesus? Because I think that's more work. Right. Um, in my uh, in my hermeneutics class or whatever interpretation class, I always make a point that we have a we have a uh, like a hermeneutical code or a cheat code because mm-hmm. we know it's about Jesus. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is it's actually more work. But you can't just like necessarily skip to, all right, this is about Jesus. Let's do that. You've got to do the the work of what is this saying in its what context. What is it saying? Yeah, right. How is how about, how has Jesus fulfilled right the ultimate fulfillment of what happened back there? Right. It's and not so. just as simple as. Okay, we're reading this story about Noah's Ark. Okay, where's Jesus? I think he's the Ark. Okay, let's move on. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, 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 where is Jesus? It's not like, where's Waldo? I gotta find Jesus yeah. somewhere in here. There he is, you know, and, and, and you move on. But you're actually trying to, it's it's a way of, an, it, it's, it, it is, it's a hermeneutic. It's a way of interpreting the scriptures in such that you, you, you stay true to the original context, but then you look at how, not just how Jesus is, you're not spiritualizing things, and you know, like Jesus is the rock in the wilderness or whatever, right? It's not just that. Maybe, maybe, maybe he is not literally the rock in the wilderness that Moses strikes, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, uh, but that, you know, how is that? How how is he that? And you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. All right. So, anything else that you guys talked about last week that we definitely want to make mention of in this week's? Because I, again, I couldn't. I didn't get to hear what you all discussed uh, there was no way for me to listen to it so 
Yeah, I did want to say like one more thing because I just feel bad that we because we talked about it. it was really cool, real cool moment. Um, but uh, Chris uh, from my life group, he actually noticed uh, the second. So like we, you picked the songs, mm-hmm. not having no idea. No, I, I put, gonna, no. I, when I put that song set together, I put. Uh, I actually sent it out to. I knew I was going to be gone. We were supposed to have kids camp report, mm-hmm. which was about the wonder of God, right? Which is all about the wonder be, of God yeah, and the, the greatness, greatness of God, right? The greatness yeah. of God. And so I put together um, a song set list, and I said, "Okay, you can do, um, you can do, how great is our God? You can do, um, and I, I had, I don't know, like I, I our God, uh, our God, our God. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I had one other one that yeah. I that that I picked." Um, and then the invitation that, that we had, and I, 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 unfortunately, yeah. I can't remember all the songs right off the top of my head. Well, then I sent that out to Chad and to Blake because they were going to be the ones to really decide. And Blake was like, "Okay, do number two and number three, and then the invitation." And we left one of those off. And yeah. then I said, "Okay, that's fine." <clears throat> and so then, yeah, because it was going to be kids' report, so right? So we time, right, right, so we were going to yeah. do a shorter set. Well, then when all that fell apart and Jeremiah was going to preach him, we're like, well, we'll go back to doing the full set. Just add the one back in that we that we had kicked out. And yeah. so that's what we did. Yeah. So and they were all like on a theme from kids camp. Mm-hmm. Right. That had nothing to do with what I was prepping for. Thursday. No. And you weren't trying to match your no. message to the no, theme. No. Right. No. But then it was crazy. Uh, we added the one that we added back. Mm-hmm. So we cut it. Because mm-hmm. we only wanted two songs, we added a third song back. Right, was our God, and uh, in the bulletin I had put as my thing, "The joy of the Lord is our strength." Mm-hmm. That verse on that for the bulletin. And so, uh, yeah, as we're worshiping, Chris just noticed like the very second line yeah. in "Our God," the one that we we cut and then got back and had nothing. No, we didn't plan this. Right, uh, literally said that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah, he's quoting it. I mean, yeah, I, th- yeah, I, th- yeah, yeah. Oh, Tom, yeah. I think Chris Tomlin is quoting yeah, he's that. Quoting that he's quoting that passage and, uh, that you picked. So we just thought that was you know powerful. Just a, just so a we, God. We talked about how that happens a lot. It does. It happens so like often. That the song that. Somehow or another, it's just like, oh, wow, we, we didn't even plan it, it worked. And actually, if we have actually, more... Actually, it's, it, it's uh, holy, is the Lord, uh, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's the one that has, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, okay, okay. It's, yeah, it's that yeah. one. Uh, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Our God is, is with glory. Oh, okay, our God holy is the Lord God Almighty. Filled with his glory. Yeah, it's holy as the Lord. I think oh, is the name, the name of the song. Go ahead, Dom. Either way. <laughs> anyway, whichever song it was, it yeah, was he it was noticed it. That I had no idea. I noticed it when I was sitting there going, "Oh, okay, that was pretty cool." Yeah, because yeah. he was talking to me about it later, and he was like, "Dude, I thought you were just gonna like, like bring that up, like you had planned it." And I was like, "Dude, I didn't even catch it." But like, see, I thought that that's hilarious. I thought the songs were changed after. Blake weren't going to do it, and then Jeremiah's like, "Where well, is what I'm preaching?" So let's pick some songs out of that. No. Yeah, no, like, no, that's not what he did. Yeah, no. So the, to me, this is even more amazing because it was originally I found the list. It was our God, holy is the Lord. Yeah, how great is our God, and great are you, Lord? And I picked. We ended up picking holy is the Lord and how great is our God. But to be honest with you, holy is the Lord doesn't follow the greatness of God as much as some of the other ones did. I just threw it in there. But Blake liked that one. So that was originally part of the the song set list. I mean, you didn't know that. No, no and I so didn't. even when you added the third one, our God back in, 
Holy is the Lord was a part of the list from the beginning. And that's the one that quotes the joy of the Lord. Okay. The joy of the yeah. Lord is our Pretty strength. Pretty cool. It's cool. really cool. Yeah, it's, yes. it's really, really cool. <laughs> but the, the Spirit works like that oh, all yeah. the time. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, that's it's, what I told him when he brought it up. Said, I, me and Jonathan shake our heads sometimes. That's yeah, like, yeah. And I'm kind of kicking myself because in preparation, I had an idea that I really wanted to do. I just didn't have time to do it. And I wanted to go into every song we were singing that week mm-hmm. and, and see how much of it was quoting Scripture. And I didn't pick the songs, and I was going to say that. I yeah. didn't pick these songs. Um, and the reason why is because it was on the importance of Scripture. Yeah, right, right. Like, this should be and our liturgy. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and if you think that their response and worship fall into their faces before the ground and saying amen and amen and all that cool, like, worship-type atmosphere right, um, is spurred on by the, the Bible. So I was going to do a whole thing on that. But <laughs> I, it was another step in preparation that I just did not have time to do. But... Uh, that's it. Was, it. It, was, it was just yeah, and then you would have discovered. Oh my goodness, the, the, yeah, the yeah. passage that I'm doing is actually from yeah, 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 yeah. that he quotes it. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, Je- Jeff and I have t- even even when I because now I try to um, I do try to select the songs based on the theme of the scripture. That, you know, but even when I do that, sometimes I don't pay I don't pay close attention. I'm not looking at Jeff because I don't get Jeff's outline until afterwards most mm-hmm. of the time. And I'm not paying cl- right. I'm not cl- paying close attention, and he's not looking at my song list. But I'm not paying real close attention to like the the supporting supporting text that he's using, or uh, or even or any of that kind of stuff. I just know the basic theme, <clears throat> and I can't tell you the number of times that I've I've picked songs and went, "Whoa, that goes right along." Oh, with yeah. I, I didn't know he was going to go in that. And then I'm preaching this. like, "Oh yeah, we just sang about <laughs> we all just sang about all this." <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. I, Which I, is good because it's it's that's fresh and it's happening as opposed to. We're sitting in here trying to manipulate and yeah. find things and pigeonhole them and all that, you know. Well, and I think I'd it, rather rather it be the spirit moving. Yeah, and I think it just shows how um, sort of the the cohesiveness of all of Scripture, right? Like, really, when you when when you do make it all about Jesus, it all fits together in this giant puzzle, right? So that right. no puzzle piece really ever feels out of place. And I think that's kind of neat. I mean, because there, there have been times where I've picked songs. That I, I, we had to pick a song that didn't go with the theme just because we had to kick a song real quick. And then all of a sudden, no way, it does fit with this. It fits with this after all. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's it's really, really cool. All right, so um, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about yesterday now. Um, uh, because yesterday we did have a commissioning service, and uh, it was really awesome. Uh, and some great things happened as a result of that. And Jeff, I think, was... Was trying to, uh, um, I think you purposely picked a two-point sermon kind of thing, just mm-hmm. real quick, hitting, hitting, um, hitting some basics uh, because we we were doing all that we were doing in this service, um, and the the title of the message yesterday was fulfill your ministry, and text was Colossians four seventeen. So, go from the Old Testament here to the New Testament a little bit, um, and and <clears throat> four seventeen the NKJV reads and say to Archippus. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And that was sort of a, that was the whole text uh, that, we, that that you went with. Um, and I, from that, you you pulled two really important points about fulfilling ministry. Um, and and the first is that you must be focused, and the second is you must be faithful. Both of which I think are absolutely true. Um, and the you know you must be focused on the ministry the Lord gives you. 
Um, I think you were looking at um, you know the idea of take heed and some and some some translations pay attention, uh, be sure to carry out. <clears throat> but the idea here is don't get distracted because there's lots that can distract you in terms of the ministry God's called you to. Um, but stay, pay attention to it, stay focused on it. And there is, I'm, um, I, I like what you said yesterday because I think you're right. And, um, even though we were looking at somebody who feels a specific call to a <clears throat> to a specific kind of almost vocational type of ministry, all of us are called to some ministry. Um, Hope, um, Hope asked me this yesterday. We were driving back or going to lunch yesterday. And she always, she normally writes, jots down questions and, and then asks me on the way to lunch always. And so her question yesterday was, does everybody have a call to a specific ministry? In other words, does, does God call every Christian to some sort of specific ministry? And of course, I'm, I'm telling her, well, you know, all Christians are have shared the same mission in that we all are called to make disciples mm-hmm. right in whatever capacity but then i do think that god sometimes says to us go and do this specific thing mm-hmm. right go and go and and i want you to prepare yourself and equip yourself for this specific task um but a question is a good one mm-hmm. um is it the case that god gives a specific mission to all of us is there a time in your life where you will have a specific mission or is or is it the case that you know that we just have the general imperative to go and make disciples thoughts on that this is a tough one for yeah. me I, I struggle with this because uh, I want I don't know maybe because I'm selfish or arrogant I want to believe that I received some sort of special call mm-hmm. to the past to being a pastor, mm-hmm. and I think I I think I do, and I think you can see that in Scripture. Although it's very hard to to find, yeah, uh, you kind of have to, in some ways, read it into the text uh, that there's a special calling. Um, I do see that the church sets apart people for certain tasks mm-hmm. um, and and recognizes that and recognizes the Holy Spirit's work and then lays lays on of hands. So I, I see all of that, like very clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that the church has that authority, meaning that we're recognizing God doing it, but it's all kind of, all the language in the Bible is all about like, hey, this is how the church is to affirm people mm-hmm. for certain positions. Um, which is what we did yesterday, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think we, uh, I think it was awesome. Um, but like when I think of, I, I, there's not really any position outside of pastor where just any believer could be mm-hmm. um, from scripture. And well, maybe I'll disagree on deacon, but uh, and we can have that discussion if y'all want to. <laughs> uh, but like, like priest in the Old Testament and pastor in the New Testament seems to be reserved for males. Um, uh, I don't have time to, to argue that uh, or, or give reasons right. why I think that is. Right. It's just, if we're going to submit to Scripture, I think that's the case. 
Um, but other than that, missionaries and even deacons and uh, servants and those who go and share the gospel and teachers mm-hmm. and all that stuff uh, can can be any general Christian, and we should all aspire to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I, I've said too much. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'll have other thoughts, but I think yeah, Jeremiah said great. It's a that's a tough uh, tough conversation. I think um, I th- I think everybody who's a Christian has a spiritual gift, but I don't I don't use that word synonymously synonymously with calling mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. So, and I think sometimes some people can be like, well, if he's got a gift that he's called for the and not not necessarily sometimes, but you know, like if you're a good giver, you know, you can't, you know, it's not all necessary to say, well, he'd be a good pastor because he gives well or something like that, you mm-hmm. know. So, I think, you know, I think it's important for our listeners to know there is a distinguished uh, thing between a calling and a gifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I'm going to add to that and say no more. <laughs> but uh, the interesting thing was uh, when Jonathan and I first talked with Katrina, um, she was telling us, you know, she had a burden for her co-workers and she tried to witness to them and she would pray with them and did all these things. And we're like, okay, well, that's great because that's really what Christians should, should do. Be doing, because yeah. I, I believe that we are... Uh, and I I had to make the message so that nobody would tune out to say this is about her but it's also but it's not just about us as you know full time ministers it's about us as full time Christians we all have a ministry we just have to find out what it is Um, and so but so then we got a sense of her as she felt like it was a calling then to this vocation to be a chaplain to have that authority then to be able to go talk to people where she's got the you know, uh, her higher ups are saying, "Yeah, it's okay for you to do this," as opposed to her coming in as a, as a, just a lay person and a Christian trying to talk to people and not having that authority. So that's kind of how we came up with it. But so yeah, so I believe that all of us uh, have the same mission, which is the Great Commission. Right. So we've all been commissioned to do that to make disciples in some way. Uh, we all have the priesthood of believers, um, and so. Um, so, so specifically, then, I, I have to be a Christian. That's my identity first mm-hmm. in my realm mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm living in. And if I'm still working, then I happen to be the priest of, if I'm the only Christian in my job, I technically am the priest of that job mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, mm-hmm. I need to be aware of what's going on and following those prompts by the Spirit and things like that. Uh, so, in a sense, we all have that, and we all use our gifts that God gives us in so many ways to do that. And then, specifically, though, I do believe God calls people out for, and sets them apart um, for specific tasks or specific ministries mm-hmm. that, that we have in our organization of the church, which would be a pastor, youth pastor. Right. Um, you know, like her being a chaplain. Right. It's not necessarily, it's a parachurch kind of ministry thing, mm-hmm. but people do get called to that. There's guys that get called to be FCA chaplains and things right. like that. So right. so there's many, many, many ways you can serve the Lord. Uh, and so we don't need to make it a thing where people feel like the only people that can serve is if you have a calling. And I don't feel like I have a calling. How can I serve? Right. Well, the answer question should be, I should be serving and finding ways to serve people 
in living out my calling as a Christian right. every single day. So I guess what Hope's question would be then is, is, is in general, do we all have a ministry? That, does every Christian have a ministry to fulfill? Well, sometimes it's just moment by moment. Yeah. That the prompting is help that person that's over there crying while you're waiting for the doctor and say, just strike up a conversation and right. say, hey, how's it going? I noticed you're upset. Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. You know, I happen to be a pastor. Would you want somebody to pray for you? You right. know, if you get, or, you know, or, you know, so, so, and I think I made that point in the message that, that those things happen. <clears throat> And we all basically say yes or no to the ministry we receive the Lord each and every day. Yeah, and see, I, and think so, that, I think it's interesting because yeah. I think if you told most people, you know, to define a minister of the gospel, they would automatically start trying to define it as a pastor. Or, because that's what we did as a church. We created this whole factory right. with these hierarchy, hierarchy. Hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah those things. And uh, that's a tough word for yeah, me. Yeah, and, and you just kind of like. We do it, and, and sometimes as pastors, we're jealous, and we want the ministry, and we don't really want to share it, yeah. and so then we start doing all the work, and so uh, it's it's important for us to, even as pastors, we make mistakes in our mm-hmm. general living life as a minister of Jesus, as a Christian, when we don't follow those promptings and all, too, and even though I have a t- title and a right. shingle and an office and all that other stuff... I could still not be doing what God's called me to do that day. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, you think about it. it, it the, if, if we're taking if we're taking the meaning the way we're taking it here, if we define minister that way, then it seems to me that every Christian is a minister, yeah. a minister of the gospel. Yeah. And, and 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 most people listening to this will go, "I'm not a minister." Well, you are. You you know, you're either a good one or a bad one. Yeah. But, you're a <laughs> but you, you have, have you, you, you do have a ministry to fulfill. Yes. I mean, I guess as a dad, I mean, a dad and a mom is. A huge ministry yeah yeah yes if you're a parent you're about to say something jay well yeah i mean like you you're all you're you're a minister you're a missionary you're uh we call like jeff just said it we're a kingdom of priests mm-hmm. all of us mm-hmm. uh and uh, acts uh, two at, at pentecost he he tells us that all the sons and he, he's quoting from the old testament saying all the sons and daughters will pros- prophesy mm-hmm. right so if that's true we're all prophets Right, mm-hmm. and so we're a kingdom of priests. We're not a kingdom with priests. Right, that's the Old Testament. Right, yeah. we're a kingdom Israel. of priests. So all of us are a priest where you're at, and so it, you don't have to ask whether you're called. You're called. Yeah. So that was giving me my next question, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about this, what is this? What's the distinction then between? If everybody's a minister of the gospel, what's the distinction between that and what we're calling a calling? Which, to be fair to Jeremiah, you you struggle to find in Scripture. You you struggle to find a place where God says, or they use this term called as it as it, it, it in a separate way from minister. You definitely find a place where churches set apart people for 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 different tasks. But this idea of a calling and we use that in church in church language a lot mm-hmm. and 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 to some degree I think I believe it too like you said I but it's it, it is there it is there a distinction and if so on what basis like how do we how do we def, how would we tell somebody um you know what how would we maybe as pastors say um you know okay 
that's different from the ministry you're doing now. That's an actual calling. See, for me, for me, there's no distinction. And I had to come to that. And I might change. I might change tomorrow. I might see it in Scripture. But no, that's a calling. Right. That's like, that's like a special calling. Right. And maybe we just need two different words that don't exist. Maybe we use calling too much. Mm. Maybe there's another word in Scripture we should be using. But I see it that the church is setting apart some for specific ministries. Not that it's necessarily God who's... Man, it's, this is so tough. Well, no, the Holy Spirit tells, told them to set Paul and Barnabas apart for this specific task in, in, in Antioch. Yeah. And they, see, go, see, they get sent out. So, um, but how it practically worked out was the what? church laid hands on them, recognized, hey, yeah, this is of the Holy Spirit. Right. And I think that's more our role. Well, but then people had to support him. The people gave him money. And yeah, he yeah. even writes about that, how if, if the person is giving their life over to God and they're living off the gospel, then you need to take care of them, things like that. Even though a lot of times he did tent work, tent, uh, tent making, where he was kind of bivocational. So I think that I think there is two distinct things. I think we all are called to be ministers. And you know, that's stuff I was doing before God called me into full-time ministry, mm-hmm. which was then to say, okay, this is something I want to do for the rest of my life in a more like a disciple, a more like they when they left everything to follow Jesus. And that's the, and that's that's the analog they, I would probably point they to. They went most. to prepare and learn and just like we just talked about with Ezra and all those guys he was teaching so they could teach the people. Um, so there is that, that school of prophets from the Old Testament. I think there is that, there is a sense of that God does set people apart. And now to what the ministries are, because we are in a church setting, it's really basically whatever the church is calling people to do in a full-time capacity. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have like people that serve as executive pastors and teaching pastors and preaching pastors and minister of evangelism so so then churches create all these occupations that people can go to you gotta have a title but at the same time i mean in order to do that you have your occupation you have vocation so the the two should come together as a christian yeah your occupation your vocation should be worked out but sometimes your occupation and vocation is a christian a a christian setting well, either way we look at it, and the, the point that you made still stands. That, yes. that you you really everybody giving you if God if you feel like God's the one calling you to this, then that's something you've got to work out with God, and it, then we're we're here to affirm you and help yeah. you, not to right. And and that, and that every Christian, because every Christian does have some form of a ministry. God's got. Because God's an active God, and He's mm-hmm. using He's using us to accomplish His purposes and for His kingdom. We all need then to pay attention to the ministry. Mm-hmm. We all need then to take heed to whatever it is that God might be asking us to do, moment by moment, right? And I think that's the point that you were making yesterday. Yeah, sometimes it means to take heed or pay attention to the very thing that God is, maybe the specific area that God's that you feel the Holy Spirit is leading you towards. In her case, you know, chaplaincy, right? Or or, or, or that sort of thing, or you know, congregational care. For some of for us around the table, it was pastoral ministry, um, that we should take heed to that. But then every Christian should take heed, should pay attention, should be sure to carry out whatever it is that God would ask him to do moment by moment, because 
There's a world out there that needs ministers, and we have an entire church full, not Rosa Sharon, but we have an entire church, all the saints, that are equipped to go and do, to address those needs. And that's, I think that's part. And then that's the second point then holds true as well. To fulfill your ministry, you have to be faithful to the ministry the Lord gives you. To not give up on it. Um, but to, to not only stay focused, but stay faithful to it. Um, not to not to give up even when things, even when you feel like you're inadequate, when you feel like you don't have what it takes, um, or that you know everything is against you. Um, you know, I know for her in particular, for the kind of ministry she feels led to, um, there's a whole lot of red tape that she's having to deal with, and and um, and she's you know shared that with us in the past, and and there's a lot of reasons why. She has had every reason to just give up on this and just say, ah, God, you've told, you know, you heard her in her testimony yesterday. I really liked her testimony. Yeah. When she said, you know, God kept saying, no, go do this. Go do this. Go do this. You know, and she finally, she's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. You know, you've answered all, all my objections. I, 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 I'll just go and do it. Mm-hmm. And, and then, <clears throat> you know, there's lots of reasons why, even after she agreed to go and do it, that she might look back at God and go, see, I told you, it doesn't work. You're telling me to go do something I can't do. Literally, they won't let me do it. And so I'm just, I can't, God, I'm done. You know. And we see prophets in the Old Testament do that. Just give up and go, God, what you're asking me to do is impossible. I tried, it didn't work, I'm done. You know. And how many pastors have felt the same way? Oh, yeah. When, you, know, this... you called me to this congregation, I tried, I, I, I failed, it didn't work, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. And and that's the thing about uh, the point I was trying to make is that that um, you have to look at the long you have to look at the the end of it. You're at the beginning, but you got to see there's an end, and you want to finish well. Mm-hmm. And Paul encouraged Timothy to do the same thing. Um, it was interesting when I was doing research on Archippus. Uh, and some of the people that I was reading and people that had done sermons on, they were coming from a negative point of view that he was lazy and all this stuff. And that's why Paul was wanting all these people to make sure he pays attention. And it's like, like <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like, how do you come up with that? Because I, I didn't look at it. He, that this was a negative thing that the Paul was trying to encourage him. And uh, so that's when I was trying to figure out, well, why would he need to pay attention? And that's when I was like, did the whole okay Colossae look where's it at it's 12 miles from uh, Laodicea and you know maybe some of the apathy was seeping through and things like that but but still the same way I don't look at this as a negative thing I think it was a positive thing that like a take 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 heed pay attention but then you're when you focus you know I said well I use that passage about Jesus when he's like okay I brought glory to you uh, on earth by completing the work he gave me to do and so really that 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 encompasses our focus and our fulfillment that that I'm here to to bring glory to God and if I can do that in some way whether it's a big huge way or a small way I've done what I'm supposed to do to bring glory to God yeah and I, um, I think I think Paul is just encouraging him. yeah I do too 
And, it's, and, it's funny how when you because he, he's using you're right he's using the same language language that he uses with Timothy yeah and why why would you it, well it, even people jump on Timothy too for being timid and all this other stuff you know? <laughs> Paul it's would like, just have it as if we don't all these, struggle with all the these same John stuff Wayne sometimes. preachers out there yeah like, yeah come on dude the, I think <laughs> get the guy a break I will say it, there have been times in my ministry that I was grateful for people that were that were kind of like Paul is in this in this case though. Sometimes it's really handy to have somebody just remind you, hey, did God call you to do this? If you did, just keep after it. Just don't don't give up. Don't stop. Because there are times where it's very easy. It's very easy to just well, say, and he I'm kept done. the, the he kept the, the charge to the church to, to be the one to encourage. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the only way Katrina's going to make it, the only way we make it is when people encourage us. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, there's plenty of critics out there. And most of the times... And I'm looking at four. There's probably we're probably all four hardest on ourselves than anybody else. Oh yeah. And if we don't have those people in the church that do say those encouraging words, that do try to help us out, that try to keep us focused, and all that other stuff, then we do feel like we're just out here uh, languishing. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that all that's important. It and, is. And you know. Um, and, and, you know, also realizing that, you know, this work, if I'm going to do it, you know, God's going to work through me mm-hmm. because when we do it in our flesh, we get we get burnt out and stuff like that. And then uh, finally, you know, praying, you know, praying that um, God will help us fulfill this ministry as well. Because if we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we don't have prayer, if we don't have encouragement from people and all that, then we're probably are going to languish. And I don't know what the rate is right now from seminary students and all, but I know when I was there, they said that within five years, I think half of the people that were, quote, graduate from seminary to go into ministry would no longer be in full-time ministry. Yeah. And so I'm not not sure what the I wouldn't quote be is now, but yeah. um, so, that, so this can cut both ways. I think maybe this was more, Paul's thing was more for the Colossian church, the, hey, you need to, you need to encourage these people instead of getting on the archipus mm-hmm. that he wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so it all cuts both ways. So we were here to try to affirm Katrina. Now, she may not ever become a chaplain right. in that uh, setting she's in. Right. But if what she's doing opens the door for the next person coming after her, and that's, I didn't say that in the message and all, probably should have, but really because I didn't want to discourage her right. in any way. But same way for us, you know, the things we do here, even at Rosa Sharon, there's going to be people coming in behind us eventually. Yeah. And what we do and build, we're trying to get somebody to be, be able to come in and build on that. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so that, I think that's part of fulfilling your ministry too because he says that, you know, when he prayed for him, uh, that he prayed that uh, all this would happen until the day of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So your your ministry, our ministry that we've started, and God started through us, will not end when we die. Right. It will continue on, and then like Paul, Paul's ministry is even continuing today because we're just talking about, uh, you know, this passage of scripture that he put in the Bible, and this guy named Archippus, his ministry is carrying on too because yeah. we're learning from him, yeah. and it's being used. Yeah. So. Uh, Eventually, we're going to see the the fruit of all of our ministry being fulfilled, yeah. and it's going to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And so, to tie it all in with the invitation um, to try to bring the gospel in and 
So if somebody's just sitting there like, okay, this has nothing to do with me. I'm not going to be a chaplain or a preacher. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, then I asked them the question about, you know, uh, what is your focus in your life? Mm-hmm. You know, are you focused on self or whatever? And then are you fulfilled? Right. Because ministry is fulfilling. Right. Even in the, the hard stuff, it still is a fulfilling part of ministry. And, yeah, yeah. And so that, those two questions, and I didn't really have my invitation how I was going to do the invitation. It right. came as I was preaching. Right. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> so then I asked, what is your life fulfilled? And so um, I think that had a, a way of helping people then personalize it and say, okay, how's, how's this, um, how can I then live out what right. they're talking about? Right. Um, because the only way you are, we are going to be fulfilled, whether we're in ministry full time or just a, uh, or I'm not going to say or just or if we're in ministry full time, full time, or we are a Christian living out our Christian calling in our life, the only fulfillment we're going to get is through Jesus Christ. That's a, that's absolutely so that's true, right. and, and and applies well. And we saw people respond to that, and that's really awesome too. And we're excited about what's going on here at Rosa Sharon. And there's some mm-hmm. there's some there's some awesome stuff going on. And it's not because of us. I mean, you no. know, you don't you don't preach a commissioning service and have like you know, three, four, five, five people come to the altar. <laughs> well, and to yeah, be fair, I mean, we knew like, we knew two we knew, of them, uh, but the other three, but, Amy and Dale, and, and I had a feeling um, Ashley and her kids were going to come eventually. But she had told me earlier she wanted to kind of wait, wait yeah, yeah. a few months. She said the same thing to but us, but then yesterday. just the spirit prompted her. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And she wanted to really reaffirm her faith in Christ, too. Yeah, yeah. So Jeremiah was able to talk with her and get that firmed up. It's yeah. fun to watch the Lord work, for sure. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to that's gonna close it out for today. Uh, we're, we're right at an hour here, so it's perfect. Perfect timing. Um, so next Sunday is Kids Camp Report. We will attempt to try this again. We're going to try <laughs> and, and reset there and, and talk about the greatness of God, I suppose, and how this great God worked uh, in, 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 in camp. We saw how many get saved at, at camp? Two at camp. Two at camp, which is really awesome. Yeah, and, and the one on Moscato that came Yeah, one of them was yesterday, the one that came yesterday. So that's that's great. So we'll look forward to talking about all that next week. So, uh, so we should be able to be here next Monday. I don't think there's anything that's preventing us from doing that as of right now. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, we'll, we'll be here next week. We'll talk about all that. So that'll wrap it up for this one. Uh, thank you for listening, and as always, if you have questions or concerns, or hey, if you, you know, just want uh, you got something you want us to talk about here on uh, Monday Main Point, we're glad to do it. So just email us at rosbcpastors with an s on the end at gmail.com. That'll, like I said, that'll do it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one. So. Long.